2022 was arguably the worst year in history for crypto. Some will tell you that Mt. Gox in 2014 was worse, but let's be honest, 99% of the people in crypto weren't even here in 2014. I think for most of us who have been around since 2016, 17, it's hard to imagine a year being worse than 2022. We had obviously a slew of arrests, collapses, hacks, exploits. We really exposed all of the cracks in the space. But the good news is that gives us the opportunity to improve and to fix things going into 2023. I have an incredible panel today. You know that every Thursday we do these roundtables. And this will be available, of course, on Spotify and Apple Music later today. I've got Randy, Misty, and Crypto, Wendy O, and of course, Molly, Jane. We are going live now. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and do whatever your preference is with the like button. We are in a no-judgment zone, and everybody can handle the like button as they see fit. You can even choose not to hit it at all, and you're still allowed to stay, and that's okay. Guys, as you know, we are now sponsored by Prime XPT. You can check them out down in the description. We've got the scrolling thing that will tell you what to do that I don't want to read because it takes a while, but please... Check them out if you are going to trade. It's a great place to do it. If you're going to hold and custody your assets, it's a terrible place to do it, just like every other exchange. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please self-custody. If there's one lesson, speaking of 2022, that we all should have learned by now, it's that exchanges have a very specific purpose, and that is for trading. And beyond that, that's about it, right? When you uh, go to uh, your stock trading portfolios and things like that. You don't expect them to be your custodians and bank accounts as well. You go there to trade and that's how you should trade, uh, treat crypto exchanges as well. As I mentioned, we have an incredible panel today. I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and bring everybody on. I got Randy, Miss Teen Crypto, Wendy O, of course, and Molly Jane Zuckerman. If you guys don't know them, you should by now. Molly, I think this is actually your first time on the channel, although we've talked uh, quite a few times the other she was the head of news at Cointelegraph, now is at CoinMarketCap doing basically everything, right? So uh, welcome here yeah. for the first time. You are right. Brian, I call you the CEO and you said it was fine. I mean, don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay, you quote me on that as on 2020, that. 2022. If the news is real, it's not news. Um, and so, and of course, Wendy O, uh, everybody probably knows by now, uh, I think believe still holding the title of uh, most popular female YouTuber. Is that correct? Do you still Maybe hold the title? On, on, I'm, the, I'm the largest um, mom-run crypto and NFT channel on YouTube. Just kidding. Do I get to, I've never small. like used my dad uh, qualifications, but I'm going to start throwing that around. And Randy, <laughs> of course, our uh, Gen Z rep on the streets. How are you, Miss Teen Crypto? I'm not a parent, but I'm good. And I hope that's the only way I hope I still made it to the cut. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you are me. you are not a parent, but she's uh, my child. We, she's my I child. Say, I literally, mama, I, I literally did a podcast. Yeah, I did a podcast with Randy and her parent. I had her dad on to tell the story of how uh, she initially he initially got her into crypto. It was, it was pretty incredible. I think he's here. I can see him. I think he's. I think. There yeah, he is there he house. is. Yeah. Randy and Randy. It's hard to miss. So listen, let's start with a uh, sentiment check. I think that's the best place to go. Everybody has a different perspective. You guys are viewing the market, I, I would say, from different angles. It feels like retail is just gone. 
Are you guys seeing any optimism or is it just pure pessimism, doom, despair? Randy, you can go first. We'll just go around the horn. Cool. I'm very optimistic, Scott. I'm always optimistic. I think uh, despite the setbacks in price we had this year, there's still a lot of adoption that's being made and especially big institutions like Fidelity coming into crypto. They've been mining Bitcoin since 2014. JP Morgan, after two years of spreading funding, still spreading funds, calling crypto tokens pet rocks. He just had his patent proof for a crypto wallet, HSBC coming into the metaverse now. There's so many people, there's so many big players coming into this space that there's no reason not to be bullish. A lot of adoption has happened this year and it will continue to happen in 2023 despite the bad actors that we had to filter out this year yeah wendy (sighs) it's that weird week (laughs) in the year to where like we're all we've all eaten too much over the last two months or last month and we're just tired and we just everybody's waiting for 2023 to come and everybody keeps seeing all these mini altcoin pumps or these mini nft pumps and they think the bull market is back and it is in fact not back so i hate to be the bearer of bad news but i feel like everybody's just kind of chilling right now nobody knows what's happening with the market um nobody knows what's happened with all of these cases all these chapter 11 (laughs) bankruptcies that we've had so we're just kind of like coasting along it's like do you deposit money into an exchange and trade do you not are your funds going to be stolen if the exchange goes down so it's kind of a really weird place that we're in Um, not only do we have to worry about rugs and crypto and projects changing their tokenomics and them going bye-bye or you know exchanges going down so i don't know i feel like we are just gonna you know we need a little bit of time for people to regroup and get back in the swing of things so hopefully after quarter one of 2023 we start to see some more people come in come in and get excited but i will say the nft ecosystem is doing pretty well and those guys are very very excited and optimistic about the future as opposed to us crypto traders and folks go ahead okay So my perspective, I'm going to base just off of CoinMarketCap data because because we get everyone interested in crypto coming to us. I always see what the sentiment is by how many visitors we get each day. And over the past year, it's not going down. It's still going up. I guess it's like people are like to watch a car accident or a train crash. They just like keep coming to our site <laughs> and they stay for a long time. And so that just makes me feel really positive about the future because I will only start to be a pessimist if people stop looking up Bitcoin's price on my website. And as long as they're still doing that, I feel like that means they're still interested in what's going on. Um, And so, yeah, like I think logically, if you look at what's happened, you know, there are so many chapter 11 bankruptcies. I couldn't even name them all at the top of my head, but people still check out Bitcoin's price. And so they're out there. People are, people are sort of maybe watching in the background a bit more than actually actively trading, but they're looking. That's really interesting. I want to dig into that just for one more second, because I'm actually surprised by that, right? And anecdotally, it seems like people aren't talking about it, like the Twitter community is somewhat dead. And uh, yeah, Wendy's raising her hand, I can see. But uh, perhaps that means that we're being sort of influenced by the media perspective on it and not by the actual metrics and what's happening. Well, we all are, 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 in, are in a crypto bubble. You know, what we see on Twitter is what Twitter feeds to us, which I'm assuming based on everyone on the show is the algorithm of crypto stuff. You know, I actually have a separate Twitter, not for crypto, just to sort of keep, keep those things separate. And so I think if you look beyond the really sort of diehard crypto folks, you get the rest of the world that might not necessarily know what a DEX is. 
but they know what Coinbase is, you know, and those are the people that are still around. They might, I mean, okay, everyone's heard of FTX by now. Like, I definitely think they heard of FTX, but like the three commas thing that's happening today, they haven't heard of that. That's not going to change their mood about crypto in any real way. Wendy. I was going to comment on that. I feel like that that data is very interesting um, with all the traffic you're seeing over on CoinMarketCap because I because I do TikTok, I do Instagram, I do YouTube, I do Twitter, and I pay attention to analytics. Like that's my that's what I like to do. I like to dissect them and see like how the how it's impacting the algorithm and all that stuff. Of course, it's like I'm not using any fancy Excel spreadsheets or any of that stuff, but I like to look at the data. I compare the views and whatnot, and so my views are down a lot on TikTok and on YouTube. Engagement on Twitter is down a lot um so that to me it's very interesting that people are still actively using coin market cap and checking prices and visiting when like content creators are views are down so i just think that that's a very interesting metric because i would have assumed that you would see um a downturn in people using the platform so i think that it's, that's interesting it's it's not like we haven't seen a downturn like that would right. be but it's not as bad as i thought that it would be like it's okay. still many hundreds of millions a month and i just Based on what happened in crypto, I'm surprised. <laughs> like, right, why so are it's they basically there? slowed. It's slowed, but it hasn't reversed by by any <laughs> metric. I mean, Wendy, anecdotally, the same thing you're saying. I mean, listen, you could look at the views on any YouTube channel. How many people are live? We're all. It's all down. 75. It's down relative to the price of Bitcoin, Ethereum, or your favorite <laughs> offline, right? This is down 75, 80%. I will say my channel, channel did hit 100,000 before Bitcoin did. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and Miss Teen Crypto Randy, your channel is going to hit 100,000 before Bitcoin does as well. I hope so. I'm grinding away every single day. I try to go live for the Missing Crypto Show one to four times a week. I do like my 12 p.m. Eastern show four times a week. It's a grind. And I think, you know, I've been seeing a lot of like increase in and in stuff um, in growth in my channels since the bear market. So I'm, I'm actually grateful for that because I've been able to continue building and just make connections. But I do think that based on what I've seen, at least from Gen Z side, I think a lot of people are still interested in crypto. I think they're just not sure on when to buy. I think that's probably the biggest question because a lot of people were willing to cut off their pinky toe when Bitcoin was 69K. And they're like, I'll give you my pinky toe for one Bitcoin. But now I don't think we're seeing that as much. But people are confused. They're like, should I buy now? Should I wait for 10K like other people are calling for? I think this is a very weird time, like Wendy was saying. Yeah, I think it's an extremely weird, weird time to, to say the least. And I tend to agree with Wendy that we are still in the depths of the bear market, regardless of, you know, these individual sort of movements. We've always seen these little bubbles or movements within even the worst of the markets where some things are going up and some things are going down. But I think in context of the macro and everything we've seen in 2022, it's way too early to start talking about a bull market again. But that said, 2023 doesn't have to be a raging bull market with price going back to 100,000 for it to be positive, right? I mean, I think there was so much negative in 2022 that now it's sort of the onus is on us as a community to clean that up in the eyes of governments and regulators and to hopefully give them a reason to give us sensible regulation. I mean, do you guys think we're going to continue to see these massive, you know, the Ronin hack, wormhole hack, mango markets, obviously, Abraham Eisenberg is uh, probably going to jail, Sam Bankman-Fried. I mean, do you think that we're done with this nonsense or do you think that we're just starting here? 
Not at all. A lot of head I mean, shaking. Anybody can jump. <laughs> no, I mean, no, we're not done with it. We're, we're literally in the midst of a bear market. People were not properly trading. They weren't properly using risk management. They were storing funds on centralized exchanges. There's a, there's a, there's a plus all the collateralized loans we have. Um, I don't, we don't have a lot of public data of how many liquidations there were. We also know we haven't seen minor capitulation yet. So there's still going to be some crazy things that aren't going to happen, which is really sad. So, and I also do know for a fact that we are going to get a lot more heavy regulation being pushed on um, quarter one 2023 maybe even into quarter two of 2023 because all the regulators all the public servants are like oh my god we have this big collapse of this international exchange that wasn't even legally allowed to operate in the united states of america we have this exchange token that wasn't even allowed to operate <laughs> United States of America, but we have to go after it because we have to protect retail. So we're going to see a lot more of this drama come out and play. We're going to see a lot more people get in trouble and we're going to see a lot more people do stupid things. And then somebody, you know, obviously probably after Bitcoin happening until, you know, Bitcoin completes its four year cycle. And that's this, that's still the cycle that we're on until proven otherwise, just like nobody can actually really call a bear market or a bull market until we're actually in it. The few people that can, congratulations, you're a savant. I know that I'm not the best at doing that. And most people are not either. Um, but <laughs> I it, I just think that somebody's going to end up creating something really, really cool. And then it's going to take off just like we saw all those meme food tokens, um, summer, DeFi summer of 2020, which we all remember how yeah. insane that was. I was on vacation and I just saw like tendies and yams and broccoli and chicken sandwiches, <laughs> like all these coins pump. And I'm like, totally what forgot about that. F Tacos and yams. That was, yeah. the, I mean, there was three months of <laughs> yield farming and food coins. It's insane. It was, it was, was Thanksgiving so and Christmas in the summer. Yeah. I mean, people were making an insane amount of money, but anyone who was left holding went to zero, which seems to be sort of a theme with anything not named, I guess, Bitcoin <laughs> and Ethereum <laughs> at this point. But Wendy, I tend to agree. I think that uh, it gets, I don't think it gets worse necessarily as far as price, but I think it gets worse before it gets better as far as sort of filtering out the bad actors and fixing all of these things. I mean, Molly Jane, do you think that... Uh, we're going to see less exploits in 2023 that we're going to see improved security or do you think that now it's just starting i don't think anyone has learned their lesson yet like i think people are not fully understanding based on um you know i thought that after luna i thought luna would be the biggest story of the year that to me was the be all end all of the year <laughs> actually going back even further i thought that the RazzleCon bitfinex hack would have been the story of the year yeah, I that forgot that even year. happened until you just mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you remember this year, also Laura Shin's book uncovered the Dow hacker from that was also this year. There were so many big things, so many big hacks. Yeah, 2021. Sorry, 2022. Um, yeah, so all these things happened and it just it just kept on coming. Um so no, I don't think that any DeFi platforms are are you know now what's the word like immune from being hacked just because it's 2023 and everyone should have learned their lesson wendy are you gonna yeah i want i want to say like okay so what the whole like because you're talking about this so that my mind's going off and we talk about this on my show off and we talk about like like it's rumored that ftx and alameda were behind a lot of these hacks and exploits and you yeah. know a lot of the, the a lot of these that. projects you know st stuff happening a lot of money laundering happening on different chains and then Ren's shutting down and there's also rumor that they were laundering funds through that um so it's going to be very interesting to see as the investigation continues um what else was done and how far the crypto contagion really really hit 
And yeah. if you guys remember Sam's thread, he said that he's going to be calling out one of his opponent. What, what did he say? It was his opponent or his, somebody else, another player. He was implying in CZ at the time, certainly. Yeah. He said the time yeah. is, you know, something to the effect of the time is not now, but, you know, one day there'll be a time to air the dirty laundry. I think Molly Jane, her, the implication <laughs> there, I saw you shaking your head and say you hadn't heard that, but is that basically Alameda trading and shorting was behind a lot of these collapses, which uh, unironically, I guess, eventually led to their own collapse when the market was uh, mm -hmm. behaving so poorly. Um, but well, there was you know, a lot of the it's a lot was a lot of the um, the Brit like the uh, I'm still waking up right now like a lot of the derivatives and the synthetic stocks is you're able to kind of manipulate the market if you have enough you know power if you got enough money to do so and that seemed to be what they were doing with some of this stuff because you remember if you create let's say for example you have a ethereum based token and then you bridge it over to you know binance smart chain or whatever you can kind of manipulate the market that way yeah i mean i literally just pulled this article up on blockworks as we were talking here crypto thieves made off with 4.3 billion in 2022 Whoa. right i mean it's a that's a big number and obviously the largest hacks, Axie Infinity, Ronin, Wormhole, Nomad. I forgot about Nomad. I literally am not sure I've ever heard of Beanstalk Farms. And it's one of the biggest hacks. And of course, Wintermute. But I mean, these are massive, massive things. And I haven't personally seen anything that gives me an indication that they've fixed the problems with these bridges or that the mm -hmm. hackers are not way ahead of the security experts. It just uh seems like it's so, such a Wild West situation. Honestly, I think a lot of the hacks, if you really look into them, they were really silly mistakes that should have been caught earlier. And I think a lot of people that, you know, were said to be involved, like from the teams of these actual projects that maybe caused the hacks and took the money for themselves. You know, we heard a lot of speculation, but who was held accountable? What person was arrested from any of these hacks? Even when um, even the Ronin hack, for example, they said the FBI or one of the three letter agencies was getting involved. But did we ever hear back from that? No. So it makes me think that maybe these hacks weren't an accident, which is something we we also have to filter out is the teams behind these and what actually happened and someone needs to be held accountable. Yeah. Also, well, you remember the Ronin hack? Yeah. Honestly, go ahead. no one noticed it for like six days on the team. Yes. If you remember. But the team that was didn't the team or someone call it out a few days before and said, shouldn't you guys pay attention to this? And they said it wasn't a big deal. And then they were like, oh, wait, no, it is a big deal. I think that's yeah. what happened. Something similar. Yeah, I think random people effectively noticed it and warned them and they dismissed it as a non-issue and it just continued to drain for days that's yeah. pretty how much astounding. money do you have in order to lose that much and not even pay attention or i guess how i don't know ask sam bankman fried he had an accounting error for 10 billion dollars <laughs> right so just a casual account i just put a line wrong in quickbooks you know QuickBooks. I, it, it really but that's what he said, right? They do the yeah. like Excel spreadsheets and QuickBooks yeah. for a multi-billion dollar company. Well, this is the thing I have. Can you actually use, okay, so the Excel spreadsheets for a multi-billion dollar company, that's a no for me. But with QuickBooks, <laughs> do they have, no, I'm just asking because I I don't know. Can you actually use QuickBooks for that? Because they might they might have software that is created for large companies. However, when you're talking about a crypto company or something that's similar to traditional finance, that might not work. So I don't know. You, I can, know that's you can use QuickBooks to balance your accounts and manage them, but if you're managing billions of dollars, generally you have a very large team of accountants from a very reputable firm who are looking over your shoulder and making sure that's all okay. You're not just doing it from your apartment on your uh, local PC, even for security reasons. And it's it's just an astounding, astounding. 
But now you look at it and you know that if you're going to like actively do fraud, you're not going to have an accounting firm looking over your shoulder <laughs> as you but do at it. The same, so it but, probably... at, but at the same time, like who allowed that? Like, you know, we're supposed to have, this is why I'm not a big proponent of regulation because we have all these regulators and are they actually checking into this type of stuff? Like the fact that SBF and people from FTX and they're like all of that stuff, the fact that they're meeting with US regulators and about creating regulation for crypto exchanges, which again, you guys, crypto exchanges are not cryptocurrency. A crypto exchange is like a service provider. It's a third party. It's completely separate. Um, but the fact that they are meeting with these people and these people did not actively say, well, what do you use? What, what do you use? Like if you're supposed to be talking about compliance and doing things the right <laughs> way, setting up regulation and they're not probing into what you're doing or asking questions. Like, how does that question not get asked? This is why I'm not a proponent for regulation because I don't think it's going to get done correctly. What they're going to have to do to make it done properly is they're going to have to create a third, like a separate entity that is just for crypto, NFTs, Bitcoin, blockchain, all however that works out. And they're going to need public servants that are not currently serving in other positions. And they're going to need folks from crypto that are very, you know, a whole lot smarter than me to really make sure that this is done properly. And I actually made, yeah. a, I'm going to be dropping a video later today on what I would do if I was a public servant, but go ahead, Randy. I think, you know, another thing we have to consider, especially with the FTX thing is how deep this was, right? Like he met with Gary Gensler. And then on top of that, they had a bunch of other plans to essentially just like create a federal bit license. And I think that's where it all really started was because uh, Ben BitBoy was saying, hey, like I wanna do this pro crypto bill and then brought it to SBF and SBF held his bill and then created like the anti-BitBoy bill. And that, I think that's what we also have to pay attention to is what was going to happen, which was a federal bit license and something that was anti-DeFi, anti-decentralization and anti-peer-to-peer payments. So I think we also got saved amidst the, the madness. Um, so that's another thing that I just felt like that was really important that people are forgetting about because of all the noise from the SBF case. So we yeah, avoided something yeah. big. <laughs> I, I think you could also make the argument that as bad as the FTX collapse was, it's better that it happened earlier and that this wasn't Absolutely. three months later, six months later, a year down Absolutely. the road as they continued to grow. I can certainly say as a Voyager creditor, I think we dodged a major bullet not having FTX buy the assets taking them and moving yeah. them to FTX and going into a second chapter 11 bankruptcy with a worst situation. But that obviously brings up CFI. Uh, do any of you think that CFI yield generating platforms like BlockFi, Voyager, Vault, Celsius have a future? Do you think that we're going to make that, we'll call it a mistake again, or that there's a way to do that responsibly? Or do you think that CFI is completely dead? Because that is probably the biggest story of 2022. Molly J, you can go first. Oh, sorry. My bad. Putting me on the spot. Um, I mean, I I try I dabbled in some of those platforms, the ones that were accessible to me as a New Yorker, which is like honestly right. not that many. <laughs> <In fact>. Um <laughs> and thank you. I yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for license. And I put, you know, a tiny, tiny bit of money in. And then I um a month later took it out because at the time I thought if the yields are too high, I don't understand how this works. And this was, you know, a while ago. Um, maybe like 2019, 2020. And I don't know. I just, I think that now that everyone has realized, you know, the phrase, if you don't know where the yield comes from, you, you are the yield. I don't see them coming back in the form they were before. I just, I don't see that. I think everyone realized they are the yield. Wow. 
That was so good. I'm, We're the yields. It's an old poker quote, you know, wow. uh, if, you, if, you, if you sit down at a table in the first few minutes, you can't uh, identify the fish at the table. You are the fish, right? You're the dead money. So it's kind of the same concept. It makes a lot of sense. It, it is true. I mean, we can also extend that to, you know, advertising. You are the product, right? We've all seen it uh, when anything is free that obviously they're monetizing our data. But Randy, I know you had some thoughts there. I think doesn't Coinbase have a sort of interest or you can get some interest on Coinbase. And I know Gemini, I don't think their earners program is up anymore, but I think Coinbase <laughs> has something. Um, so Coinbase, I, I, Coinbase proposed an earned product to the SEC. They came they in no? as Gary asked them to. And the, not only did they say no, they just threatened them with litigation. But USDC Circle does have a yield yeah. program for accredited investors, which I believe potentially you can access in some way. But yeah, Coinbase does not have yield directly. Yeah, they want us to make money. I think that's why DeFi is probably the most important thing because like these are smart contracts. These are like actual people that are involved in it. So I think that DeFi, this is a huge catalyst for DeFi. CeFi going down, all these interest platforms going down is probably the best thing to happen for DeFi. This is the thing. I like CFI though. I think that CFI is very important, especially for brand new people. The problem that yeah. we face, the problem that we had though, is that we had these companies that were essentially licensed and regulated in the areas that they were allowed to operate. Like with Celsius and Voyager, I don't think in New York you could have used those platforms. No. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is like these, it's like the, and again, I'm going to keep place. I'm going to keep throwing this back. I'm not going to place blame on the public servants because we're supposed to be in crypto. We're supposed to have read the Bitcoin white paper. We're going to, we're supposed to know about how important it is to own your own money, to store your private keys, you know, all of the, all of that stuff. So this is, again, this, a lot of this stuff was our fault for kind of getting complacent, but I'm going to toss this back to the regulators and say, if crypto was so dangerous and there were so many problems with this and there's so many red flags, why did you why didn't you make it harder for these companies to operate? And why weren't you why weren't you asking for more transparency? Because that's really what happened is they sat around since 2017 and did absolutely nothing. All they did was waste taxpayers time and money and not do their jobs. That's what they did. And then they go and they slap BlockFi with a $100 million fine saying that they were giving out unregistered securities after the fact. Like, Scott, you're, you're a parent. Would you punish your child for doing something that you like? Let's say, for example, your child threw a pen at you and you never told them you're not allowed to throw things. You're not allowed to throw pens. Would you punish your kid after they did that if you didn't tell them? Only if it's six months later, like the SEC. Yeah, no, exactly. yes, obviously not. Yes, obviously not. It's a it's a it's a opportunity to teach the lesson and, and make the rule, which the SEC, as you sort of eloquently put, has failed to do. You can make the argument. I know you're not willing to say that it's their fault because the onus is on us as crypto advocates. I'll say it's their fault, too. I'll say yeah, it's their fault, they, too. Yeah, they, I mean, there's none of this would have existed offshore, you know, if if we didn't have clear regulation in the United States. But at this point, I don't have the level of optimism that we're going to get regulation in 2023. I think it's a hot topic right now, but I think this is the United States government we're talking about. How sad, though, like how sad is that we've really like distorted this view of capitalism, like capitalism was supposed to be for the immigrants coming here for like the underdogs coming to America to create a better quality life, like the mom and pop shops. Like that's what capitalism is to me. To me, there's a big difference between corporate capitalism and capitalism for entrepreneurs like the like the little guys, like the like the shoemaking shops or the, you know, the taco shops, all that type of stuff like that type of capitalism is a beautiful thing. When you can go into underserved community, you're born and raised there and you create this really dope business and you thrive and you're, you know, bringing revenue into the community. Like that's really amazing to me, but the United States has just really killed that off. And it's just a sad thing to see because we had, you know, we have this opportunity 
and I believe it was Hester Pierce that introduced the, you know, the positive crypto regulation, the safe harbor that she wanted to pass. Like we had, we had really good ideas to help this industry thrive, to bring in more revenue to the United States. And also too, like blockchain is a great tool for actually seeing, for transparency, seeing what people are doing. Public servants don't want that because they don't want us to know where they're getting their money from, how much they're getting paid, all of those things, or where they're spending the money. So that's where the problem lies is I feel like they stifled innovation and they caused a lot of harm to retail and consumers because they didn't want to get exposed. That's just the way that I'm seeing it. I agree a little bit. Yeah, that's like so spicy, but I agree. I think it's a huge part of stifling innovation, especially because like if you were listening to the Senate hearings, um, one good question that they asked is it was like they were fighting crypto for a moment and they're like, but what about U.S. dollar dominance? And I think that's what it all really boils down to is they're scared of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency going too far that the U.S. dollar just completely dies. And I think we're already seeing that inflation is taking a toll on the dollar. We're, our purchasing power is not as strong, which is already a great catalyst for Bitcoin being that there are only 21 million Bitcoin that are going to exist. However, I think if, you know, you're, of course, stifling innovation, you're pushing people from stopping on building on blockchain and stopping people from creating great things, obviously, we're going to go somewhere else. And then the US dollar is going to diminish anyway. So I think they're going to have to step up, they're going to have to embrace blockchain, but I think they just don't have a great understanding of what it is. Also, they're cooking up the CBDC. So that's another thing that they're trying to work on while figuring out what to tell us while trying to tell us what to do in crypto, which isn't cool. But it is what it is. I, I think that's going to be the probably primary topic of 2023 is going to be central bank digital currencies. I don't think they're so necessarily in the United States, but if you look at the study and the amount that are under development or prepared to launch, I think we're going to see an extreme acceleration of that in countries all around the world. Do you guys think that central bank digital currencies are a positive for the crypto space or do you think that they are... A negative, do you think they will help adoption or do you think that they will hinder it because regulators will try to eliminate cryptocurrency in favor of their own central bank digital currency? Molly, you take I'm, this one. Yeah, I was going to say, because they don't bother me. You guys shook your heads, but they don't bother me. I just think that um, they can exist alongside crypto, just like fiat can exist alongside crypto. And as long as we don't confuse them with cryptocurrencies, because it'll be potentially on a private blockchain, you'll be able to have, I mean, everyone makes that um, the joke where it's like, if you use a CBDC, maybe you won't be able to buy alcohol after 9pm or, you know, things like that, the government can control you with. That's if you choose to use it. And if you don't choose to use it, I think you can just keep on with your Bitcoin. Maybe that's like a too simplistic of a view. I also don't see it happening in America. So um, yeah, I don't think, I'm not, I, I think we have, a, I, I think we have one. I think it's mm -hmm. called USDC, right? I, I think that uh, the United States would be more likely to partner with an existing stable coin that they feel like is well-regulated than to go out of their way to create their own to some degree. But these other countries are way far ahead. I mean, Wendy, what do you think? Do you think that it's a net positive or net negative? No, I actually used to be a proponent of a CBDC because I was like, this is cool. This is going to help people get their money faster. They're going to be able to send it back and forth faster, especially people that are on government aid. Like, let's face it, sometimes it takes a really long time to get that check to go through or if it comes in the mail, however that's sent to you. And then we had the panorama that happened. Um, people needed those stimulus checks. There was a problem with the stimulus checks. So I was like, this is a great thing. But then when I started looking into it more and I started seeing what China was doing and I started 
started seeing, um, then you start seeing Vitalik talk about reversible transactions like that, that defeats the entire purpose of blockchain. Like the chargeback idea, that's why we love blockchain is because especially with small vendors, they don't have to deal with that. And that is a big cost. People don't understand one of the reasons why costs are so high in America is these big companies, especially the corporations, they have to offset theft and they also have to offset all the chargebacks and returns that they get um, because that is a cost to do business. So the CBDC, it just worries me that the underdogs are going to get the brunt of it again. And that basically means like if they're able to track every single thing that you're doing and let's say let's say for example you're 20 years old and you make a mistake because let's face it kids and teenagers do really really dumb stuff all the time let's say you rack up a bunch of debt on a credit card i know that i did let's say you get a bunch of parking tickets i lived in hollywood i got my toe my car towed literally once a month because that's just what used to happen so what happens if you have this type of stuff on your record and then they're like you know we're going to deem you as a bad person because you had 20 parking tickets or you had x y and z and you didn't pay it back and then they're like okay well and you start a small business because you, you know, that's what it is. And then somebody transacts with you and you guys sent, you know, you do the P2P transaction thing. And then they, and then they mark the other person's account as being a naughty account, just like with the OFAC sanctions with the tornado cash thing is that's what they were doing is if you received a transaction from somebody um, using tornado cash or tornado cash touch that wallet, that's was going to be a problem for your wallet and your wallet gets flagged and gets sent to the treasury or OFAC or whatever the heck. And that's going to be part of the problem that we're having is they're going to be able to track you a lot closer. And plus too, I don't want anybody knowing to go to target at a certain time or knowing what I'm buying, knowing what I'm doing. That's like a big problem. But again, it's not going to be trans transparent for the public servants. And if they want to integrate a CBDC, I would be for it if they tested it on the public servants and government spending first, because I want to know why I'm paying $3 million for a brand new stop sign when I know damn well it's only costing a local contractor a million dollars to install, because that's what they're doing. And that's to me is a bigger story. There is actual fraud that the United States government has been committing for years and nobody says anything about it because we can't necessarily prove it and it's not transparent. I mean, I have mixed thoughts on a central bank digital currency because obviously I think that the evolution of technology necessitates that money go digital, right? So I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with- But it already is digital. Improves. It is. I mean, that, that that's a fact. And I think that that's the direction you raise the proper issues if it's a China central bank digital currency that allows for a social credit system and a violation of your privacy, it doesn't work. But a central bank digital currency that's just an improvement of cash, right? Yeah, but love Scott, to transact my I don't think that's is- what's going to happen. I might be right. Go ahead. But my concern is, is like, okay, we're how much debt is the United States in? There's that little de- cute little debt calculator that you can Google it on up. That's what my daughter Lo says. She's like, Mom, Google it up for me. <laughs> but <laughs> so I say that now on my show. But what I'm saying is, is like we have like 1.4 trillion. I don't even know how much debt we have. Like I think it's like one gazillion dollars we're in debt for. I'm, guys, I'm just joking, okay? But I feel like they're just going to completely wipe that out and reset that, and then make and then start from scratch, and then we're going to get stuck paying the tab. Is like the little plebs, like the little poor people, me. And I don't want to do that. I don't want people tracking me. Like I get the need to want technology, but just because everything is evolving doesn't mean that you need to completely evolve to that. I don't think it's a good thing for society as a whole um, because when they do pass that bill and they do make it into law, the bill is going to be like 10,000 pages and it's not even going to be, it's not going to be in plain English. So we don't understand what's happening. And it's just going to be pushed through with all this other crap. And that's where it gets problematic. It's going to include tax subsidies for, yeah. Uh, people who are for corn for people that you know, wear green hats producing corn or something yeah of course molly jane you looked like you had a comment <laughs> no i'm just laughing about the fact that it's like 2022 and or soon to be 2023 
and no one can read a bill. You know, it's like, it's like you'd think that we would we would improve our communication and how the government works with every year. And instead, we're using language no. that is. Why? Yeah, I mean, it was like for the last this this the omnibus trillion, which was supposed to just be a government spending bill was like 4100 or 6100 pages long. That's so crazy. it's obviously nobody reads it, but obviously that's Nobody longer than a Stephen it. King novel. Gosh, golly. Yeah, I mean, that's like all of Stephen King's novels, right? <laughs> uh, in conglomerate. But I want to make the quick bullish case for a central bank digital currency, but for crypto, not for the actual people. I think that if a central bank digital currency becomes used universally, that it will teach people to transact digitally in a trusted manner. It will teach them to use a digital wallet, which I think a lot of people are afraid of, and teach them to send transactions. And then when they realize that it's a massive violation of their privacy and is just the government intervening, that will push them towards Bitcoin and other. Is that too optimistic of a view? Yes. I, I, I do see what you're saying. And I, I said the same thing kind of, Scott, that a lot of people like when I think they're already seeing that now. I think over the as Wendy calls it the panorama, when you were going to the I remember in my neighborhood, people were online all day trying to go into the bank. The tellers weren't there, of course, because it was the panorama. And then you have the ATMs that were limiting you like a thousand dollars per month or something and if you take out more than your money more than five times a month then you get a charge if you have less than fifty dollars in your account you get a fifteen dollar fee this is not fair and we're already seeing that the accessibility to our funds is not the same they already are banks are blocking your transactions to crypto exchanges because they don't want you to exit the system so what's going to happen is they're going to say no more you can't buy crypto you have to keep your money in your bank account then transition it into this digital coin and then you have to use it and people aren't going to maybe what if they let you leave the system what if they don't let you get crypto? That's the problem. I think CBDCs, of course, are going to awesome. teach us a lesson. People are going to have to say, hey, I want a decentralized alternative where I could transact with whoever I want, wherever I want, wherever I am at any time I want. I think that's the most important thing. That's what we have to pay attention to. And I think even though, you know, there could be a counter argument like, oh, you know, the Bitcoin blockchain is transparent but at least we own our funds at least we're able to transact when we want and if we want we move our funds to a different wallet we transact we swap for a different coin and go from there you know i just think that cbdc's are closing us in and we're boxed into something that we really can't get out of and once we can't get out of it that's the end yeah i our, think that that's definitely coming for 2023 go ahead wendy our grand my, my immigrant grandparents they did it best and they kept the money in the mattress but what, yeah, when, what, what about when they stop accepting physical cash? That's another thing. Like, I love yeah. that people are like taking their money out of the bank. There are people, there are old people that come up to my dad all the time. They're like, well, Randy, I took my money out of the bank and I, it's under my mattress now. And, you know, <laughs> I'm like, okay with that. But at the same time, what if they don't take your cash anymore? I go to, into stores all the time. They don't want $100 bills. They're like, we can't accept hundreds. We don't accept 50s. We don't accept physical cash at all. This is coming. And that's the push for CBDCs. Isn't, I'm going to open uh, a shop it, and it, take cash. Yeah, <laughs> is it, yeah exactly. But isn't aren't aren't uh, isn't self custody in a crypto wallet the 2022 version of our grandparents putting cash in their mattress? Yeah, at least at least we have our private keys and that Dig we can digging the gold in anyway. your backyard. I mean, it it is the same ethos. But I so that's one narrative. Obviously, I think is going to be compelling for 2023. Wendy, you sort of made the point that we're seeing these NFT pumps and these small moves on altcoins, but. Are there any trends you guys are watching? We talked about DeFi summer of 2022 and we had the NFT of 2021 that summer. And then we had metaverse fall, you could say when Facebook rebranded to meta. Are there any things that are being built any over 
overarching trends that you think could help carry us at least into a more positive market situation in 2023. Randy, you'll go first, but then Molly, I'm hoping you have something from CoinMarketCap maybe, or some idea from looking at the data that will uh, help us sort of get an indication of that. Like maybe what people are actually searching and focusing on. I, I can actually pull it up while Randy's talking. I'll listen though ahead, too, Randy. but I can go pull ahead. it up. <laughs> Gaming. Absolutely gaming. Gaming is probably one of the best things in this space because everyone's a gamer at some capacity, whether you're an older person playing solitaire with physical cards, you're you're like my aunt that plays Candy Crush, or you're my sister that plays every game under the sun. There's always a gamer somewhere. And I think play to earn or playing end earning or just owning and your property, your like your in-game assets or in the tokens, I think is so important. And it's gonna teach people a lot about economics, but it's also gonna teach them about self-custody. So I think gaming is a great way to onboard people and there's great games that are being built out right now so i want to shout out gaming right now i agree with gaming i just hope that we actually get games that are worth playing there, remember there stos remember when stos yes. are supposed to be the big thing security talk about yeah of course so molly yeah. did you get us any data while, I while did. we had I got you on the, on the spot I'm, go um, ahead i'm quoting from as of yet unpublished data, the CMC uh, end of year report comes out tomorrow. So alpha. you guys get the alpha. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, on CMC, if you guys know or don't know, we break down our coins by different categories. So we can see we even have a category for dog coins specifically. Like we get very specific. It's, we call it dog on dog roll. Some, <laughs> <laughs> some joke that people don't always get. Uh, anyway, so if you just look and see where the sectors were, had people actively creating new coins that were listed on CMC the most this year, it comes down to, I think, six. So BNB chain ecosystem, obvious, that's like pretty obvious. The next ecosystem is the Polkadot ecosystem, constantly getting new coins added. Then we get the dog on dog roll, um, meme coins, and then DeFi. So these are the these are the sectors that CMC has seen the most number of new coins added throughout this year. Um, the the least successful, let me rephrase this, the least popular for for new coins in all of this whole year, AI and big data, which is surprising, honestly, with everything yeah, that in the past month. Yeah. Um, asset management and master nodes. Whatever that means. <laughs> master makes sense because those are just yeah. kind of like a DAO, but not, but yeah. kind of, but not, and they're a pain yeah. in the butt to set up. I was uh, set, spent an hour and a half yesterday setting Yeah, up. I think that's just being sort of eliminated by better options. But go ahead, Wendy. Um, one of the, and it's, I know that, like, I knew that you were going to say that was Binance Smart Chain. That was number one because on TikTok, when you go to the hashtag TikTok, and by the way, and I know people in the, in your audience are going to get pissed off at me because they always do when I say this. TikTok SEO is actually taking over Google SEO and people are going to, um, I believe TikTok. it. Yeah, yeah, people are going over to TikTok to to gauge what what topics are trending with crypto. It's kind of hard because we don't have a lot of crypto content creators. I feel like I'm one of the last ones standing over there. Um, <laughs> but they're getting, but like Binance Smart Chain, it has, it's got millions and millions of like under the hashtag, like it's absolutely crazy. And that's what I could tell what like XRP is one of the biggest ones is it's, it's XRP and it's Binance. It's, it's BSC that is that there. And then I'm trying to get mine up. I think I'm at 14 million, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to search it right now while you guys are chatting. Yeah. That does not, uh, honestly, Molly Jane, I'm not surprised at all, but after a year of such nonsense, it doesn't give me like great hope that it's meme coins and dog coins that are still dominating. They're still there. They're constantly dominating. We get a lot of people. Um, I will say 
scrolling down more alpha um people that actually comment on things on cmc like that actually chat using our comment section they're mainly talking about smart contracts mm. that's good yeah right that, <laughs> i think we want to no but i think that so one, obviously the coins being listed, I think is not necessarily indicative of what will be the most popular because no. let's be frank, a lot of BSC coins, people literally are just creating scams and sending them around and trying, you know, they dump it into your wallet and hope you'll interact with it. They're never going to stop creating dog coins, right? You're going to have uh, Doge, Elon, Shib, Elon, Doge, or any, you know, combination of those five to, to six words. But that's interesting because if people are commenting and actually talking about blockchain and the use case and smart contracts, that gives me a little bit more hope for the next year. Binance yeah. has 2.1 um, billion views under their hashtag. Whoa. And that for, for a crypto company on TikTok to have that, that is insane. They have 2.1 billion views. FTX, and this is even after the FTX drama, FTX only has 496.6 million views. Oh, and this is after this is after all the headlines. So that just tells you what people are doing and what they're what they're paying attention to. And this is TikTok. Ooh. So So but what do we think then is it a move to DeFi because CeFi collapsed? Is it the proliferation of NFTs becoming massively popular? Again, what could drive and it doesn't have to be in 2023. What could really drive the next bullish narrative it's 100 percent what was team what randy said was the was nfts web3 metaverse play to earn it's going to be that entire ecosystem and the reason yep. why is like scott you and i we trade and trading is right. hard it's not easy and most people are not good traders most people are not good investors in general they don't know when to take profits they don't create trading investing journals they they just buy and they just want to hold forever which I don't care what your strategy is, but you do have to have an entry and exit in a place where you're willing to cut. I don't care if you want to hold Bitcoin for 30 years. You still need to have that written down. Like if you don't have that, it's just silly at this point. Um, but the thing is, is NFTs are so easy to get into because you literally buy and you hold and you're part of the community and you don't have to take profit. You actually get bullied if you take profit and you sell a particular NFT. So I feel like I, I feel like that's going to be a big a big catalyst again, as we're going to see that happen, because in my opinion, from, from watching analytics and watching what's happening on Twitter, like 2017, 2018 bear market, we didn't have Twitter spaces. We did the only way that we had the only really real way we had to communicate with each other was just tr trashing each other on crypto Twitter. Um, you know, you, if you got your information from bad. YouTube, well, I know, but it was so bad. Like with Twitter it spaces, at least at, at least at minimum, like, at least it's getting some of the toxicity out of the in a private spaces. But if we didn't have Twitter spaces and if we didn't have the NFT run, if we didn't have NFTs, I don't know if Bitcoin would have actually hit $69,000. And my theory behind that is, is people were injecting capital into NFTs and then they were selling, trading, taking profit, dumping into Ethereum, buying Bitcoin. So essentially it kind of helped push it up. So in my personal opinion, I think that that was a big catalyst to kind of prop up, prop up the crypto market. And then on top of it, like I'm not excluding all of the terrible things that three capital did ftx like all these crazy companies that were just over leveraged and over collateralized but or under collateralized whatever however you want to say it with whatever the heck they were doing i have another trend to throw out because it's what the, the research team at cmc has been discussing is decentralized social networks could that actually mm. happen in 2023 yes like, a, like an actual product people would use every day like twitter I, I, can, I could see it. I could see it. I, I don't know how exactly that would work out because the tokenomics, especially with play to earn games, one of the biggest faults I think 
in that industry was the tokenomics and a lot of the economies within the games were not like stable like if you were to say hey 10 15 years out there's a million few million people playing this game what would the tokenomics look like and you just couldn't figure that out so i think that's a lot of what the social media part would have to figure out there was one that i came across that was pretty cool it was like a tiktok type thing and you had to buy you were given like free nft glasses and with those glasses you were able to scroll and as you scrolled you earn tokens for watch time then you could upgrade your glasses with it and do a few different things there were games within the app i i could picture something like that but again the tokenomics have to be right to where like it's actually worth it to do it it's actually worth it to watch you could play good games you get actual worthwhile rewards but then the trading value comes in and then people start pumping it and dumping it and how can you control it maybe by er earning the tokens as you watch so you have to watch to earn but then you have people that are, might bought it to earn extra tokens. So there's so many things that go into that. Well, the well, then you also yeah. have the SEC. Then you have these these idiots over at the SEC oh. that went after library, which library. No fun. Like, the thing with libraries, I feel like they had they they were just a little bit early and it wasn't their necessarily their fault because they had no guidelines to go by. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. And if you look at the court history of that case, the SEC is literally just like you're not going to beat the SEC. Like the only person yeah, that has it. Yeah, that, oh, I, the sorry, only person I talked that... to Jeremy Kaufman, who is the CEO of Library Credits, and he said he was one of the first ones who listened to the call from the SEC that said, come in and talk to us. And he literally like gave them a slide presentation on why they were security. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm not surprised. He's like, I trusted them. But he, you know, he gave them literally every but piece of information. how sad is that? Like, it it's just sad. like when you, and this is what bothers me with law enforcement and the way our legal system is structured is like, you're, when something happens, you're supposed to go be able to talk to somebody either for help, for really for help. That's what these public servants are for, whether it's police officers or whether it's like um, it, it, any government entity, any public servant, like you're supposed to be able to go in and ask for help and ask for guidance. Like, obviously, like, I'm not saying if you, after you have on a live someone or done something absolutely terrible but if you're somebody who's considering doing something or you've created something and you like you're supposed to be able to go into these offices and have them help you like that's just cut it's just silly and i don't think it was their fault because there literally was no guidelines and it just is really sad it's really sad that the sec couldn't say you know what this is really cool we can probably use we could use this technology for other stuff but you need to make these changes make these changes so you're not Thanks a security ever. We'll give yeah. you three years. We'll give you three years on a sliding scale to make this sufficiently decentralized by some actual rule to figure it out. Thank you for presenting this. We find this really interesting and probably beneficial for creators. Imagine that would yeah. never happen, but 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 imagine it. Craziness. And, it, 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 it's absolutely insane when you talk about the regulatory side of it, but I, I'm more inclined to believe on the regulatory side that they're just going to kind of ignore it. I said that before. But I think uh, Gary Gensler has come out and said, listen, we have all the tools we need to prosecute people. Fraud is he fraud. Needs right? so he can, needs to he resign. He needs to resign. He prosecute himself. He needs to like, resign and go to jail. Like, I, like, I don't like calling for people to go to jail. But like if they want to play the game with the whole regulatory thing, like he literally, he's in a lot of trouble. It's just crazy at this point. Like it, it's... Right, I also Gary. believe that we need to get to the point where we don't call NFTs NFTs and we don't have to define DeFi as DeFi when it all becomes just the thing that you use because it's better will be the time when we start to actually see mainstream adoption. I'm not sure I'm confident that'll happen in 2023, but when DeFi just becomes the natural place that you put your money in an NFT maybe is just an in-game asset, you know, and we have to, we stop having to use these very specific technical vernacular 
that'll be when we know that we're reaching mainstream adoption. But I have my fear right now that we have all these ideas, but nobody's using any of it. Like well, unless it's a $1.7 trillion bill. Unless it's yeah. a $1.7 trillion bill, then they're just going to pass that through because why not? Yeah. Molly, is there anything else that you're seeing that you think could potentially drive a next run? Are you seeing like anything to support that gaming is actually growing and all these play to earn and move to earn? Or is it just uh, part of our very excited bubble? <laughs> I, I see it. I mean, you know, we also look at how many people visit CMC from different countries all over the world. And we do see that interest, you know, from Vietnam, from the Philippines, et cetera, yeah. the countries mm -hmm. where the Excellent. play to earn was yeah. the biggest. Yep. And, you know, I definitely agree with what Randy said, the tokenomics for the play to earn games that came out now did not make any sense, mm -hmm. not scalable, not even, not even really make any sense before they needed to scale. Like they just ended up sort of not working. Um, but yeah, play to earn and move to earn tokens still get a lot of interest on our site. And so I have to think that someone out there can be smart enough to come up with a way for a move to earn or a play to earn game that isn't a Ponzi scheme. Like we must be able to think of it, you know, if we all just yeah. like put our heads together, we can, we can come up with an app where instead of buying a shoe for $5,000 and then exercising and earning a few cents, like there must be a better way, you know? I so, agree 100. Yeah. Expensive shoes. I think we could figure Expensive that out. Shoes. <laughs> I, 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 I remembered, I wanted to circle back to your point about <clears throat> decentralized social media. I think that's mm -hmm. going to be an absolutely massive narrative uh, moving forward. I, I've sat down with uh, Unstoppable Domains and the things that they're doing for you to be able to have your identity, you know, based on the private keys on a wallet and be able to move that identity between all social media. Zion, I know people mentioned Jack Dorsey. I just had an interview with Justin Resvani from Zion, which is all Lightning and Bitcoin based. Same concept. You can verify your identity, use it to sign in everywhere. It can't really be hacked or exploited. Maybe if we don't even get to like a fully decentralized Twitter we get to at least a place where your identity is secure and you can port it and your assets between all of the social media, use it as your sign in. I think that's an extremely, extremely compelling uh, potential use case in 2023. I think that that's where a lot of the exciting development is happening. I think that could help with verification. And I know that was a huge problem on Twitter, like, oh, who gets the blue check marks? Who's official? Who's actually notable? And I think actually having some sort of identity like that is helpful because, you know, it's for especially for content creators like us, like we have so many imposters out there and now everyone has a check mark. So it's like, how can we differentiate ourselves from everyone else? And like in terms of like the imposters, people that I'm like doing like Scott with one T and and Me Mecker, it's like a Melker, you know, like yeah. the stupidest I mean stuff. And it's just like, how can we be labeled official? You know, I, I got kicked off Instagram because one of my imposter accounts reported me as an imposter account. And I've not been able to get an Instagram Stop. account back for six months. Right? Joking. Yeah. I, I mean, so it wow. gives you an idea of the uh, state of social media. So guys, we got like a minute or two left. I'm going to put all of you on the spot for a bold prediction, which can totally go wrong. And you don't have to, uh, commit to anything for 2023. Do you, what do you think that we'll see maybe in the next year that might surprise people? I don't want to go first. I'll go first. We're going to see $10,000 <laughs> Bitcoin and $750 Ethereum. And anybody who gets mad, go to my YouTube channel, watch the video I made and get and boost my views. Help help me get paid with that monetization. <laughs> I'll Damn. take that one. Randy? <laughs> Wendy's so funny. I literally love her so much. Um, <laughs> 
I think 2023 is going to be great in terms of institutional adoption. A lot of people looking into this space. There's still such big money coming into crypto. I know I say it every day, but there's still so much money coming into crypto. The innovation has not stopped. There's beautiful things being created every single day that people are just overlooking. And I think we have to look past the FUD, look past the noise and just focus on what matters. And that's the revolution of being your own bank and everything like that. So I'm really bullish on 2023 gaming, DeFi peer-to-peer payments i think is going to be a big part of 2023 at least i hope so but thank you again scott for having me this was like such a blast i really appreciate you molly jane what do you got we appreciate you mine's kind of negative i'm just i'm convinced there's going to be another surprise bankruptcy out there i just don't know where it's going to come from yeah that's my prediction (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be surprised at all I'll go on the record. I'm just trying to think of one. I put you guys on the spot. By the way, there was like an article literally that came out today that I laughed at. It was like horrible predictions from 2022. And it was like me um, <laughs> when I said that we'd make an all, a new all-time high because I wrote a newsletter about all of my bad predictions from last year. I think it's important, obviously, to reflect. I don't think that we will get maybe in stable coins, but beyond that, I don't think we will get meaningful regulation as fast as people think. And that may not even happen in the next year. I think that yeah. uh, I, I think it's more inclined to be like a 2018 kind of year where everything just becomes boring sideways and they stop talking about it rather than it being this sort of hot button item. But obviously, I could be completely wrong as usual. You it know, happens. you should have you should have Crypto Domus on your channel because he uses um, he does the astrology, astrology and, and make yeah. and makes predict is he's actually really really on it. Like he said, he was like he called the collapse of FTX without calling it. He just knew something catastrophic was going to happen that could possibly destroy Bitcoin. And cause he was on my show like a couple months before it happened. And no, he's like, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have, I think it's because Uranus was in retrograde. I don't know. That's where I have to, <laughs> that's where I have to end. I know that you guys have to go guys. Uh, I tagged everybody on Twitter. Their Twitter uh, names are also in the description underneath on YouTube. Please go follow all three of them. This is a really fun conversation. I appreciate all of you guys showing up. And as I said to them before, this was not intentionally me and and three women. This is not the uh, the women. <laughs> we are the crypto. men of crypto. Like to, that's right. <laughs> yeah. so, but if you ever hear me say something like that, as Wendy pointed out before, she's like, now I want to see you introduce every stream you have where it's four guys just as like the men of crypto. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, differentiate. So yeah, guys, thank you very much. I will be back, of course, tomorrow. Fridays, we do the week in review for the news. You know, we used to do news every day. Now I just do it once a week. And it's basically just when I uh, completely lose my shit uh, publicly (laughs) talking about all the nonsense that happened in the last week. So I hope you guys tune in for that tomorrow. Once again, Molly Jane, Wendy O, Randy, thank you guys so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're all welcome back anytime. See you all soon. Thank you. Peace. Peace. That's dope.